Hey, welcome to Time Difference, the art history podcast, building perspective and collapsing time through unlikely pairings in the art world. This is Akayar Ali, your Korean host, art historian, artist, speaking from my bedroom in Pankow, Berlin. On this cloudy afternoon, we'll be discussing Egon Schiele and Basquiat as the first pair of the new year and the first pair of Time Difference. Egon Schiele and Basquiat isn't a pair that I came up with. It was actually Dieter Burkhardt, a curator at the Louis Vuitton Foundation in Paris. I saw the exhibition he put together sometime in November when I was in Paris. And one of the things I noticed when it came to his thoughts on the exposition is that there was no real intention of comparing these two men. It was simply, you know, iconic artists that most people know or heard of and giving them a space and giving people thus the opportunity to see these iconic men that everybody knows that are super popular in the same space. It's like, you know, a concert with both Beyonce and Cardi B. All the art nerds are like, what's happening? This is amazing. Oh, my God, I'm going to die. Um, so it was actually, you know, sometime after seeing the exposition, going to the park, eating lunch, that I began to think about how these men relate to one another and the ideas and concepts that come through when I saw them together. Um, that was the inspiration actually for this entire podcast, <laughs> but for this single episode, I think what most sort of shaped the experience for me is this notion of legacy or preservation. Like the exhibition, I'm going to start with Egon Schiele. So Egon Schiele was born June 1890 and died October 1918 at the age of 28 from the Spanish flu. He's an Austrian painter and art history attributes his work to the era of expressionism. Expressionism is the opposite of naturalism. So naturalism is when you're looking at an object and you want to portray exactly what you're seeing factually and realistically. Expressionism is departing from reality in order to um, express your perspective, express your subjectivity. So it's more imaginative and there's more room for the artist to create in a sense. And you see that in Schiller's work, only because his his drawings are of human beings, but when you look at them, you don't feel like you're looking at human beings. They're not totally physically representative of the human figure. They depart from reality completely. So stylistically, he's someone that uses really light, almost transparent line. He works a lot with pencil. And in addition to these delicate lines, he likes to shade in his figures with colors that we don't usually associate with the human body. So a lot of purples and greens and browns. And it comes all as bruises sometimes, like the colors that he used, if we were to think of them in context of the human body, we would think of bruises, we would think of decomposition. And even though he's using these colors, you don't feel, you know, it's not off-putting. There's because of the delicate line, because of how he approaches the human body, you don't feel like you're looking at death necessarily. But you do feel as if these human figures he's drawn are disappearing. 
it's the human figures working in tandem with the white page. So there's always so much space surrounding these fragile and delicately drawn figures. And because of that, it creates a sense of transparency and transience and and what I like to think of as aura. Quite literally, sometimes he would draw like he would draw a character and then put white around on the outside of that character and it would bring them to the fore of the page and have them stand off the page. And there would be so much concentrated right white around this person you had the feeling you know when you watch like a cheesy kitschy movie and like an angel descends from the stars and it's like has this white aura very similar thing happening where Egon Schiller came shipping and for that reason I often think of when I see his work not necessarily physical human presence but the essence of a human being as if when he was approaching his subjects on the page and putting them down he wasn't trying to identify them he wasn't trying to say okay Liz I'm going to make a portrait of you he was trying to communicate instead the life that he felt from these people and this brought me to the idea of preservation because his work wasn't concerned with preserving a person if he were to be concerned with something like that or if he was concerned with something like that, then I feel like there would be more physical attributes in his portraits. I feel like people would be identifiable. I feel like his, the bodies wouldn't be exaggerated or figures wouldn't be distorted or body parts wouldn't just end because he would draw, you know, a thigh and the thigh would just disappear. There would be, you wouldn't get to the kneecap, you wouldn't get to the ankle. They're just like really fragmented bodies and then this aura. He was more concerned about observing and documenting human essence and sort of focusing on the ephemerality of human essence through this disappearing line, through these delicate, transparent lines and colors that actually flatten his characters and give them less depth. And in a way, that's just, I feel like, a denial of legacy. I think he was trying to capture something more universal than the exact eye color of Lucy <laughs> or the um, curl pattern of his favorite, like, baker or something. It was more so about capturing a universal energy um, and then also recognizing at the same time that that energy is fleeting and something that um, that is intangible but worth attention, worth artistic attention. Meanwhile, you have Basquiat. A little bit of background Basquiat. I think most people, well, I won't say that, I feel like a lot of people know who Basquiat is because, I don't know, you heard somebody, I don't know, I feel like he's really popular also, especially since he worked with Andy Warhol. Um, and when we think about the 1980s, we think about him, we think about Keith Haring. Um, but a little bit of a background. So he was born December 1960 and died August 1988, also at the age of 28, from a heroin overdose. Jean-Michel Basquiat is not a graffiti artist. And I say that because he said it. I mean, at first I thought he was because that's how I knew him a long time ago when I was a kid, is that, you know, he did graffiti on walls and stuff. Um, and he was a part of that scene in New York. But there is a quote that I read 
that where John Michel Basquiat denies being a graffiti artist. This quote comes from the one of the former directors of Art Basel is named Sam Keller. Um, and Basquiat simply doesn't claim that title. And so I'm going to respect that and just call him an artist. He was half Puerto Rican and half Haitian, so totally Caribbean. Let's consider his style. It's big. <laughs> his style is big, especially after um, looking at Aegon Schill's work, which is about the size of a, you know, a regular piece of paper or something. Occasionally he departed from that and created bigger things, but for the most part they were delicate on, on small pieces of paper, um, like printing paper. Whereas Basquiat, he worked with panels, he worked with walls, he, he um, used huge canvases. And I don't even mean like an actual canvas, I just mean what he was drawing on was usually like something big as shit. <laughs> um, and his characters were larger than life. Um, he used bold colors that you couldn't, you couldn't unsee, a lot of bright reds, a lot of dark, dark, dark colors, a lot of yellows, and, and playing with the white occasionally and letting the panel come through and things like that. Um, so the only thing small about his work was the writing that he did. So there's two elements, two essential elements to Basquiat's work. You have the figure. The figure, for me, sometimes look like a skeleton. Like you open a casket and take a portrait of what you see, looking like decomposed, um, looking disfigured, looking, mm, you know, oversimplified. And then on behind or surrounding these huge character these huge like figures or characters would be some very small writing and when you're in a gallery space you can get really close to it and see exactly what's going on but it's Basquiat's language so you're not going to completely understand like you would see currency you would see mm, familiar brand names you would see him writing the same names over and over again, changing something slightly. And they would float in the space behind these figures like binary code. Um, and the way that I thought about them in relation to one another is how I came about the notion of legacy in, in, in response to Basquiat's work as well. So the, the writing in the background, I consider to be something like a cultural matrix. And when I say that, I mean, the the sort of elements that contribute or the elements that give meaning or significance to to our reality. So over time we have systems of understanding or meaning. Um, throughout history we're trying to change or modify slightly this system to reflect our reality. So we create language, we create symbols, we create, you know, whatever we need to in order to um, sort of keep ourselves present in the moment and adapt to, adapt to you know the evolution of of humankind if you if you want to call this evolving, and in that sense we're building constantly this web of knowledge and ideas that gives significance and meaning to the present moment. That to me is the cultural matrix. That to me is what gives context to our daily lives. 
And when I looked at Basquiat's work, it felt like those small words, that binary code, was the context giving meaning to the figure in the four. It was like you have you have these two elements sort of responding or creating one another or sometimes coming against one another. So the contra the cultural matrix making this person who they are and the person contributing their personality and their their energy to the cultural matrix to shift it, to change it, or to leave it the same. So these two elements together, the word and then the image in Basquiat's work is how I have come to understand legacy. Now Basquiat does have more overt images that relate to legacy, like the three-pronged crown. I think a lot of people know that one because of capitalization. So a lot of t-shirts and hats and pencils or whatever have the three-pronged crown on it. And that refers to, you know, crowning a king, legacy, importance, acknowledgement. But when I think about the cultural matrix in response to these figures, I have sort of, I have the impression that Basquiat is challenging legacy in a way that he isn't doing with the crown. The crown is acknowledgement of it. The crown is like, this exists. This is a power. There is power in the crown. You know, that's, it's validating the crown. You know what I'm saying? But the word in the image is definitely troubling a little bit more our understanding of legacy. Why? Well, because the figures in his in his images are often black celebrities, not just black celebrities, but like individuals that we associate with individuals that we consider to be pillars of black society and not just black society, but like world culture, like Joe Lewis, for instance, came up multiple times in his work. Muhammad Ali came up once when I was walking around. So black men, especially. He worked a lot with black men, if not exclusively with black men. <laughs> when I was walking through the gallery, there was a lot of masculine energy in his paintings. Um, and these black men are up against this, what I keep calling a binary code or cultural matrix. And it's as if when these black men reach a certain height or reach a certain point in their careers, they've contributed to this, to this system. But they also began, or when I say began, I'm meaning they've also become who they've become because of the cultural matrix. And in addition to that, it's not just that, you know, when they became a black celebrity, they suddenly understood what they were belonging to systematically. And that's the tension. It's like, okay. A person, a black man, let's say, desires fame, desires money, desires recognition. What do those desires, what do those desires, what do they, what do they like, what do they bring? <laughs> you know what I mean? What do those desires bring? Where do they come from? What, what are they bound to? And that's by wanting them, what are you agreeing to bound yourself to? What are you agreeing to be a part of? And Looking at Basquiat's work, getting close to the words he was using about currency, about propaganda, um, some things I didn't even understand, that, that, that crypticness, I'm not sure if that's a word, but we have to do it, that crypticness, it's the part that makes you a little bit suspicious about 
about celebrity, about recognition and fame, about legacy. What exactly am I agreeing to be a part of when I desire? Now, that's not how everyone interprets it. For the most part, there's a lot of interpretations of legacy um, when it comes to Basquiat of black men in the 1980s who are struggling for validity and who are actively being killed, violence against them, drugs. And so there's a sense in Basquiat's work at times that he is trying to preserve, right? He's trying to not not just acknowledge, but make bigger bigger than acknowledgement, you know what I'm saying? Like God level. When you walk into the gallery, it's all these big black men. <laughs> You know, you're surrounded by big black figures, bigger than you, okay? Getting getting more attention than you probably ever will in your life. That sort of preservation, that sort of crystallization of black presence is something that people often see in his work. But I have always been curious about why certain, why those little words are in the background, why are they redacted, why are they erased? Um, why are they surrounding this big black figure? And I think it's a sort of cynicism. It's a sort of, um, what's that word when it's like kind of creepy? <laughs> uh, I can't think of the word right now, but it's like this creepy feeling. Like something's threatening him. Even as he's reached this point in his life and he's he's standing and getting all the attention that he desired, there's still this this sinister, there it is, I figured it out, y'all, the sinister cultural matrix that he in part owes his celebrity to. And so what's the consequence of that? I don't know. So that's that's my interpretation of legacy through Sheila and Basquiat's work. Sheila is somebody that, in my opinion, enjoyed observing human transients enjoy the the um, enjoy the fleeting or ephemeral nature of human life and instead of seeking to you know seeking to you know stabilize human form and instead of seeking reality and actuality instead of looking into identity as a way of um as a way of permanence he found greater truth in transience. He found greater truth in transparency and fragmentation in the entire process that is the, you know, our our singular universal movement towards the afterlife. Then you have Basquiat, who in on one hand, because of the three-pronged crown, is entirely aware of the beauty of black celebrity, of the beauty of making it to a place of recognition, making it to a place of wealth, prosperity, and power, while on the other hand, there's this sinister, capitalistic, confusing, and not entirely controllable system undergirding and Hmm. sullying, honestly, this fame and prosperity that the black man in particular, when we think about Basquiat, has rightfully earned. That is my interpretation of legacy and preservation. 
Thank you so much, Sheila and Basquiat. Thank you, everyone else, for listening. I hope you return to my podcast, listen to another show, another pairing, this time with Kahindi Wiley and a Japanese artist that I found out about while sitting in a cafe. I was reading this magazine. I don't speak Japanese, so be kind. So I think it's um, Tsuguharu Fuyota. <laughs> okay. Okay, by the next episode, I will have it. I will have it down. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. And thank you for listening. This is Time Difference with Akai Ali. Peace.